on this episode, we thought we were going to have absolutely nothing to talk about with regards to comics coming out of San Diego Comic-Con 2017. But we were wrong. On this episode of Graphic Content. Stay a while and listen. He called you a cowboy. What in Sam Hill? What did he mean? What are you? I'm the abomination. The strongest mutant of all. Know this, swimming bird. Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. This blue eye perceives all things conjoined. I cared much for the word impregnable. The past. Sounds a bit too much like unsinkable. The future. What's wrong with unsinkable? Nothing. And the present. As the iceberg said to the Titanic. Stop. How's life? He seems nice. And we're back with episode 25, 25, a milestone issue of the Graphic Content Podcast. My name is Jim Mason. And I'm Adam Messinger. And we are here to talk about the news regarding comics coming out of San Diego Comic-Con, which in the last few years, to be honest, nothing really has been newsworthy. I mean... It's all been like very timely. Yes. Nothing that is really going to happen that's going to change the face of comics in the next little bit. But I feel like that's that's not the case this year. No, it really isn't. You know, it, look, San Diego Comic-Con, let's be quite honest. It's gone from being nerd prom to becoming like nerd Sundance. It is a an entire festival to pop art um, where there's so much. I would much- say it's the nerd cons. The, the nerd what? Cons. Cons? Cons Film Festival. Oh, con. Okay, yeah. I mean, Sundance is this giant thing, which is multi-site. Um, con is another one where, sure, there's this big prestigious thing, and, and you know. Yeah, and, well, I mean, you got the Eisners there, which are the comics Oscars and right? all that shit, you know? Yeah, no, and they give out the Inkpot Awards for achievement uh, over a career in storytelling. Gail Simone got an Inkpot Award. Oh, okay. Um I'm trying to remember, but there was plenty of people, and they, in, instead of just awarding them at the Eisner Awards, which they used to do, now they break in on panels, and they get with somebody, nice. either the person who's moderating the panel, or in this case was Gail Simone's husband. They awesome. gave him the Pot Award to give to Gail Simone, which is like, as a huge Gail Simone fan, I thought that was so awesome. That's you know? pretty rad. For some reason, I remember reading in this comic called Drawing from Life by Jim Valentino. Mm-hmm. The or, wonderful Jim Valentino. Yeah, I mean, he's. This was a. I loved his autobio stuff, and I think he said like in the eighties, the Ink Pot Award was like the participation award. It really was compared to the Eisners here in the United States and the Golden Eagle um, in the European markets, specifically Great Britain. But it's not that case anymore. Oh, okay. You know, it's yeah, not I'd that never case. Paid attention to they, it because of that, right? They they turned it into this and lifetime achievement for somebody of Gail Simone's age is probably not the right right way to look at it, but but astounding career achievement. I mean, the stuff that Gail Simone has put out is so much more good than it was Misfire with, with Gail's well, writing. She, and she's been around the industry for almost 
20 years. Yeah, I want to say I, I first it's started reading reading her column on her her satire column on uh, CBR back in the day and how she parlayed that into a couple issues of Deadpool that became this oh, and thing. the Gus Beezer thing. And, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So but but unfortunately we're not going to be have time to cover the Eisner awards in this episode. We are going to cover the Eisners in a in a future episode of graphic we content content we have to um, it is literally um, the biggest stuff to happen in comics uh, as far as awarding creators for outstanding achievement they are the Academy Awards the Emmys the Tonys and you know whatever you want to call it for the comics industry for the visual uh, graphic medium yes. that, that we all love so but when Adam and I started putting the notes together for this episode, and yes, oh, I know Lord. it sounds like we don't know what we're talking about sometimes, and it's off the cuff, and a lot of it is, but sometimes we also put a set list out because of the the quantity of the news, or we want to make sure that we're getting stuff right before we open our yaps, which we probably should do more by, I was about to say, <laughs> by sometimes you mean this one time right now. Well, in particular, yes, but I think that that you know, as we advance, as the podcast advances in age, yeah. I mean, we're celebrating our silver anniversary issue right yes. now, uh, issue twenty-five. I think that we need to have some formatting. I mean, there's just no other way to talk about the plethora of comics news which came out. And no kidding, we have no fewer than eighteen stories to go over on this episode. So I got an idea. Okay, here's, hit me. Hit here's, me. Here's how we do formatting. Okay, we start with DC. Okay. Move to Marvel. Okay. And then Dark Horse Image Indie, all that. I love it. All right. It's a good thing that we wrote that in advance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why you got to give it away, Jim? Well, God damn it. You know what? We love our audience. We want to, we want to, look, there is I tried no, to sound creative and you just squashed it. There's no wonderful Wizard of Oz here. They That's can, true. They can, we want them to see behind the curtain. I mean, Except that we record in an advanced recording studio at Graphic Content HQ. With a sound engineer? Oh, all the time. Uh, hey, sound engineer. Shut up. Get back to work. Okay, so uh, he told us to get back to work. Yeah. I, I'm the sound engineer. I admit it. You I, shouldn't be ashamed of that because you spend so much time doing this shit I, that I, I don't even <laughs> know how you have hours in the day. And I appreciate it. Actually, I don't have hours in the day. I have a very understanding wife. Oh, okay. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to compliment Anne-Marie on her indefatigable patience with me. Nice. That's, that's a good word. You know, they need to do a Marvel comic because they've done the unstoppable... The indestructible, the you know, and all, the adjective. All, all these adjectives they have yet to use indefatigable, yes. which is one of my favorite adjectives because it's one of the longer ones. So, well, oh. with with that, our I can honestly say that our our list of stories not so much very fatigable. It, so this let's is get a, into a it. fatigable list. Adam and I, we have we have we're bumping fists right now. Uh, you know, to agree to not go off on as many tangents as we do on normal episodes. And we're going to try and get through the comics news as best as we can. So let's start it off with one of our favorite creators, Adam, Jeff Lemire. I'm so excited to see him back at DC. Oh, my God. I, I didn't think it was going to happen. I, I thought he was going to, because we just talked about, you know, Jeff Lemire, Jeff Parker. You know, we were talking about those guys that we loved. 
um, recent books. And I didn't think we were going to, I thought Jeff Lemire was going to disappear back into the indie cloud. I thought that as well. Which is not a bad thing. Not not a bad place to be at all. But I didn't think that we were going to get the same level of, of gonzo superhero stories that we were expecting from him. And he's got a pair of balls to the walls titled, titles that they dropped. We want to talk about it a little so bit. So the first one was Hawkman Found, and it's going to spin out of the whole DC Metal crossover, mm-hmm. and it's just going to be a one-shot. I was already excited about Jeff Lamar. Then they announced Brian Hitch as the artist, and I'm like, holy shit, that's right. awesome. And then they said Kevin Nolan is inking it. Holy and, shit. Yeah, and then my head almost exploded. I mean, I, I mean, these are two of my favorite artists that I can possibly think of right now teaming up to make Hawkman and ostensibly Hawkwoman because uh, Jeff Lemire gave interviews that he is looking into bringing these characters Back now, we don't know this for sure, but that he is deep into the the deep cuts of all things Hawkman, and you know what I'm personally praying for. I mean, I know that there's this whole nth metal crossover yeah, BS that's with, with uh, Snyder and Capullo. And if you want us to cover it, you know, let us know on Twitter at Graphic Podcast. But honestly, it's not enough to really make me go yay. So I'm not I'm not well, really into it. Well, I read the it. preludes and I was already like, oh god. Yeah, it, it just seems like corporate forced in a way, and I'm just I'm not that interested in it. However, you know, as a fan of the pre-New Fifty Two Hawkman comic that um, uh, James Robinson and Jeff Johns and Jimmy Palmiotti uh, worked on, even when it switched over to Hawk Girl with Howard Chaykin doing the Kendra Saunders. Oh yeah, uh, and Walt Hawk, Simonson and was Walt Simon, it, yeah. right? So I have this love of the Hawkman character since uh, James Robinson first pitched it, which is Conan with wings. So like, boom, I'm in elevator pitch of elevator pitches as far as I'm sure. That's pretty goddamn good. Isn't that pretty dope right there? But um, I hated, I mean, I particularly hated. Are you going to bring up Savage Hawkman? Just, no, well, I'm going to bring up Rob Liefeld. And (laughs) look, Look, it's first of all, it's extremely easy to hate on Rob Liefeld, and and I don't think that's necessarily fair in all accounts. Now, you take Heroes Were Born Captain America and team that up with his Hawkman title from a few years ago in the New Fifty Two, and I think there's enough to try him at war crime for war crimes in Belgium. I just read an issue card. last night of his Captain America, and it was the it was number six, and I realized I forgot I had it signed. So there's this no is shit. The, this okay. is the oversized tit issue. Yeah, yeah. Which look it up if you've not seen it. Captain America's oh my got God. the biggest. He's D size. <laughs> and and uh, I got so it's got like the tit and then Rob Liefeld's signature just shooting off of it. That's fantastic. And yeah, I read that last night and I was, and I was like, oh, the art in this is awful, but it's a fun story. You know, and Rob Liefeld is fun. Fuck, I remember buying Young Blood number one. I remember, and and, and we're promised to be as 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 yeah, un- this being the tang- This is this is about as tangential as we're gonna get. But I I had an a fervent dislike of that title for one reason, one reason only. And that was because of the new design for Hawkman and how the nth metal was inside his body. And he poured it out like Wolverine through his pores. And I, I just, I, I didn't like the lack, I, I didn't like 
the the reboot of the character into a flying Wolverine. I was well. See, I was. That's exci- how I saw. Him I anyway. was excited when they put out Savage Hawkman. I was like, I haven't read anything by Tony Daniel when he started the title, mm-hmm. and Philip Tan was on art. And at the time, I was a big Philip Tan fan, so I was like, Yeah, I'll give this a chance. And when yeah, you said it was kind of like Wolverine, and it was almost like the nth metal was Venom, right, to a degree, right, yeah. And uh, with you know like Venom on Wolverine, and I was just like, This is not good. And right. it didn't look good. It was not Philip. Philip Tan's best work. No, it really wasn't. Philip Tan is a hell of an artist. He really is. I mean, he did shit on Green Lantern some years before that that I thought was really, I really good. That. His Spawn run was oh, what yeah. sold me on his stuff. And I'm not a Spawn reader, but I, I mean, I remember seeing, flipping through those comics going, yeah, this is good stuff. But I loved what Robinson and then later Jeff Johns and later Jimmy Palmiotti did, which was that Hawkman was superhumanly strong because he would have this almost constant exposure to the baseline radioactivity of nth metal. It was messing. It, it made him heal faster. It made him incredibly long-lived. It made him superhumanly strong. It made him durable. So it took out the, the interesting elements of Wolverine and applied it to him versus the ham-fisted ones in the exactly new that it, that it was that there was there were these subtle differences, and it was because of how long he had exposed his own biology, whether human or Thanagarian. We can get into that argument another day, but. Hawkman is a fantastic character that DC notoriously mishandled for the better part of 25 years. And, well, they brought him back in Blackest Night, and I was excited for that. And then that just did not... When they ran his story in Brightest Day, I didn't enjoy it. And then when they did, most recently, the death of Hawkman, I went, why? And who cares? Right. And I'm like, okay, well, now I see the point of that. If you're going to run with this and have this be the, the... bringing back Hawkman and reestablishing him as a major player yes, and making him feel like a big deal, then awesome, let's he, do it. He, he shouldn't be a Wolverine clone. He needs to be Hawkman. He needs to be Hawkman, and they need to decide, are they going to do the Carter Hall JSA Hawkman, where he's basically Indiana Jones, who discovered that he had a past life as an Egyptian prince and then an Old West gunfighter and a gumshoe in the 1930s. You know, They did this stuff where him and Kendra, or Shiera, had these you know, hundreds, if not thousands, of past lives since they were originally killed in 3000 BC. And they, they retro, um, retconned his origin to say that he was the Old West gunfighter Nighthawk. Wow, okay. And, and that Shira was Cinnamon. That's so two, tight. These, oh, my God. The, the Hawkman series by Robinson Johns and Palmiotti, then later Simmonson with Hawkgirl, Phenomenal. I mean, honestly, some of the most underrated comics, and especially then Rags that Morales drew that. I first, was going to say first bit. Rags and Morales, he's fantastic. Ivan Reis did a uh, or Ivan Reis. I don't know how to pronounce yeah. his name, um, and I'm sorry about that, Ivan. I know you're listening to the episode now. <laughs> There's my first one of the episode, but uh, Ivan Reis came on to DC through Hawkman. Um, you know, Howard Chaikin did the Hawk Girl artwork, which was dope. Joe Bennett. Joe did Bennett when, was when gr- yes. Paul Miotti and yes. uh, Gray took over, and then yes. Ryan Sook too, didn't? Oh he? yeah, Ryan Sook. Yeah, yeah there so was I, all these great artists that were on Hawkman. I want to see, you know, and it's I'm not being nostalgic. Yes, okay, I am being a little nostalgic for Hawkman, but this is this is a character that I think when written well has a myriad of story possibilities, in fact, countless number of story possibilities. 
even more so than Batman character. This is your Indiana wow. Jones. That's a fucking. That's a hell of a thing to say. And look, I love fucking Batman. Okay, I. I mean, no. Okay, that sounded totally wrong. I do not. I don't fuck judge Batman. Okay. Whatever. You, I mean, it's between it's, you and Emery. I don't care. Yeah, but I'm saying that I don't take a comic book with me and you know do that. I, stuff. Whatever. Again, what I don't I'm judge. trying to say is. Batman is fucking awesome, okay? And I love Batman. And Batman works as a superhero. Batman works as a detective. Batman works as almost like a James Bond super spy from those um, the uh, 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 Neil Adams, Denny O'Neill days in the 1970s. Oh, I didn't see that. You yeah. know, the hairy-chested super spy Batman. But, but what I'm saying, saying is Man. because of the past lives and having 3,000 years of experience of 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 being born, living, and dying. You've got Definitely. way more storytelling possibilities. I'm just I see saying, what you're saying. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm just saying there's so much possibility there. It's amazing. And they really hit it for a long time. And it was a great book that just, it, it sold just enough to stay successful. And look, I will take one awesome issue of Hawkman and maybe he'll rejoin the Justice League or he'll go over to JLA or something. You know what I mean? Maybe there'll be a place for him or maybe with the new Justice Society. Who knows? But we get a Hawkman found book and it's being done by this awesome creative team. And then Jeff Lemire. Let's talk about the other book that Jeff oh, Lemire. Yes. So, so DC is starting out this imprint called Dark Matter. And I don't know how to describe it. It's at first I thought it was not set in the DCU because they announced books by uh, Jim Lee, Kenneth Rockefeller, uh, Andy Kubert yep. is doing like a Challengers of the Unknown style book, which is awesome. And then uh, <laughs> Ramita Junior was also doing a book with I think Dan Abnett, yeah, yeah or something you, like that. There, there was there was this rapid fire, and we weren't able to to capture all those notes beforehand. What we do know is that Jeff Lemire is doing a book called The Terrifics. And let me tell you something, Marvel. This is why DC is outperforming you right now is because they are unafraid to take chances right now. Hell, the Dark Matter line is... That's I mean, a huge chance. Let's Okay, and, and first of all, to be clear, Hawkman Found is not a Dark Matter. It is just a DC continuity one-shot. And it's going to lead into the event that's going to launch Dark Matter. Exactly. So there is that. Um, but the Terrifics is DC's take on the Fantastic Four. Absolutely. The only thing it's missing is a Johnny Storm-style uh, flame character. And they could always bring that guy in later, whether oh, yeah. it's you know Firestorm or Flamebird or... Who, yeah, who have fucking... Fire Lad from the Legion or, of Substitute uh, Heroes. Fire from fucking the green, old... Green Fire. Yeah, yeah, Fire from Fire and Ice, sure. Or yeah. hell, bring Fire and Ice, you know? Yeah. So, you know. But the Terrifics, they are a four-man team, four-person team, <laughs> which, inc say. which includes Mr. Terrific, also one of my favorite characters, and shout-out to my homeboy, Bob Faust, who I think it's... Like, Batman is his favorite character, Mr. Terrific is his second favorite character. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we are big fans of the JSA run from back in the day. The, yep. This is his team. Yep, they are the Terrifics, and he is Mr. Terrific, just like the Fantastic Four is Mr. Fantastic. Yes. I mean, and if it that, was crazy. That alone, if that alone doesn't tell you of the balls of DC right now. <laughs> Them's huge. I mean, they are leaden. They are brass-like. Um, so you have, you have Mr. Terrific, who is, I think... 
the third smartest man on the earth, an Olympic athlete who's won every contest he's ever been in and knows every martial art and uh, is completely invisible to all machines. He cannot be sensed by any wow. device. Satellite reconnaissance, laser eyes, doesn't matter. He's got those T-spheres flying around him all the time and the dopest mask in comics. So you got Mr. Terrific. Then you have Phantom Girl from the Legion of Superheroes. So, which is interesting to me yeah. because you've got, if you listen to our Rebirth episode yep. that's eight hours long right. on YouTube, <laughs> you'll hear us talk about the Legion. To be fair, it's only uh, two hours, 42 minutes long. It felt like eight hours, but it was a funny. We hours. worked the hell out of that yeah, episode. Yeah, we did. But we talk about the Legion of Superheroes, how in that one shot, they planted Saturn Girl. Yeah. So I'm curious to see if this means that you've got Phantom Girl and you've got Ultra Boy somewhere else. Right. And you've scattered them all throughout the DCU. Maybe they have. You know, they may have lost the whole 30th century because it hasn't happened yet. Who that knows? That would be amazing. I would love to see that and see how this plays into that series. Exactly. So we've got Phantom Girl who is featured in some as a core member of, of the Legion of Superheroes. And in the Legion, they had this uh, subgroup called the Legion Espionage Squad. What the fuck is that from? That was, that's from the Legion of Superheroes, dude. Well, no, 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 no. Going back like... to the 1960s, they had a covert unit. What? That was made up of Chameleon Boy, who was the, the subgroup's leader. And I want to say it was Chameleon Boy, Invisible Kid, Phantom Girl... And there was one other that I can't remember the name of the top, but oh, uh, Shrinking Violet. Why the fuck hasn't that been introduced? The Legion Espionage Squad. Are you fucking serious? That's a title in isn't, and of itself. Isn't that the dopest fucking title? It was, I mean, just like, and then they they would have like the power brawlers, like they'd call out the front line of guys like Monel and Ultra Boy and Superboy when things got really tough. Like they call out their front line fighters, but so they had a somebody... dedicated secret unit inside the Legion that only the Legion chairperson knew of. At That's the time. fucking insane. So you got somebody of that caliber, and at least character history of that caliber, right. maybe not in continuity right. in now, this team. Now, in that um, pinup shot that they show, you can go to like Bleeding Cool, Heidi McDonald's The Beat, thecomicsbeat.com, various news sites, Newsarama, CBR. I don't want to favor one over the other. But there's like a mashup of the Challengers of the Unknown, the, the, um, uh, the Terrifics, um, Brimstone. Brimstone, which is another book that's coming out from, I think, Justin Jordan. Yeah, yeah, from Luther Strode. Luther Strode. And yeah, and Philip Tan is doing the artwork on that yeah. one. Um, but Phantom Girl, um, her powers are she can become intangible. And if she has access to her Legion flight ring, as Saturn Girl had in the Rebirth one-shot, she can fly. Yeah, so you've got Flying Invisible Woman with your Mr. Terrific, right? who's Mr. Fantastic. And they're bringing back Metamorpho, the element man in this. Which, personality-wise, he would be the Johnny Storm of the team. No, he'd be the Ben Grimm of the team. No, Ben Grimm was kind of a jerk. Uh, no, Ben Grimm was the disfigured guy who who science turned him into a freak of nature. But Metamorpho's the fun character. Metamorpho has been much more fun in later years, but back in the day he was he was the uh he was the beautiful freak of the DC universe and okay. the Silver Age and whatnot. So I see him as a thing like character. Okay. 
And then you have Plastic Man because you have to have somebody who stretches. Oh, you're in this right. You know what? Now that you say that, Plastic Man, his personality is way more. He's very much a stretching Johnny Storm. You know, yeah, be- where everything is a joke to him. Yeah, because I mean, I re- I read Judd Winnick's Outsiders. That was my predominant yes. experiment with with Metamorpho, and even the Mike. And that Barr- was the character shift, who was later found yeah. to be an offshoot of Metamorpho. Exactly. Yes. And then I even read. Um, I read the Mike Barr, Jim Aparo, yes. Outsider stuff, yes. and that's where I got kind of the metamorpho right, like, experience. He, and you got to see him as kind of being the lighthearted, fun person of the group. Right. And you know, he Well, he was a swashbuckling adventurer by the name of... He was a soldier of fortune named Rex Mason. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, he's a member of my family. Number two, <laughs> he was a badass soldier of fortune, you know, so how can Who can not- become it? You know what? Now, they, yeah, he can become anything. So he is kind of the, the Johnny Storm in the fact, in, in power, his power set. Yeah. I mean, well, he's just not way just more jo- he's Johnny Storm. He's the thing. He's invisible girl. Um, he's, he stretches and makes shapes himself like plastic man does. So he's, he's a one man, fantastic four in a lot of ways. Yeah. He can turn himself into any, any solid liquid or gas. I mean, that's, yeah. if it's on the periodic table, he can turn into it. That's so, and then you get plastic man, which is just one of the greatest comedy characters of all time. He hasn't really been prominent since his, the last time I remember him being a major player was, 2004 or five with Joe, Joe Kelly's Justice League. Yeah, right? I think you're right. I think it's it has been that and, long. And I haven't... They announced Gail Simone and, and Ethan Van Skyver like in, uh, probably seven or eight years ago, we're going to do a Plastic Man mini. Right. But this was before the new 52. Yep. And I assumed it got scrapped, but I was excited for that. Who knows? And Who knows what the future may hold for the character? So, so well, I, to, and to see him being brought into a Jeff Lemire project, I'm just, I'm excited. I, I am so excited with the whole idea of the Dark Matter line. And they're talking about, now there's been a rumor that has not been confirmed about them changing out artists every three issues. So that'd be an interesting way to package a book for later uh, uh, TPBs, trades and hardcovers. Yeah. I'm not sure how that would play, but if they're going to experiment with with storytelling arcs and things like that, hey, I'm all for it. I, I have a problem because in marketing, they're basically selling it off the name of the artist mm. as much as, I mean, the writer is there, but they're really trying to, to hype the, the artist in well, this. Well, that's, that's DC, I think, seizing the day against Marvel's um, uh, inability the, yeah, to, to move keep, the needle. Yeah. Uh, so, but I feel like another way a, they're sticking in, in yeah, Marvel's, you know, where I feel like it would be a bait and switch though. If they, if the artist left after three issues. Yeah. So we'll have to see, you yeah. know, I, I, I hope that it would be a natural arc and that whatever it is that they, they tell complete arcs and that the new artist that comes on board is partly there to tell help tell the new story. Yeah, and one thing interesting they're doing with Dark Matter is with um, with new like we're talking about new artists and new concept. Well, Scott Snyder is is launching a new Batman offshoot book called yes. Batman: The Signal, and yep. he's bringing on a co-writer from their little workshops uh, called Tony Patrick. Yes, so I'm excited to see them give a new talent a new shot in this new initiative. I agree completely. Um, you know, I like the Duke Thomas character from We Are Robin, or We Are Robins, yeah. I forget. No, what it was the, We Are Robin. We Are Robin. And, uh, excuse me, Duke Thomas has been has been sort of on the sidelines 
recently, even though they, they I mean, they, they definitely have him in the book, in the background, but... He's in the All-Star Batman book. That's right. kind of his and Batman's book, but it's not my necessarily it, flavor same of, here. of Batman I, It's It's not what I like. Not it, it, Look, it, a lot of people like it. That's why it's, it's as high up in the top 300 comics every month, but... Personally, it's just not my cup of tea. Yeah, either. same here. So I'm glad that there's a book that possibly I can try out that's going to be written, uh, co-written between Scott Snyder and this new guy, Tony Patrick. Um, my best to him because we need more new great writers too. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, the artist has not been announced on that book yet. So we have stuff, something to look forward to. There. there was an artist announcement that blew my mind, though, this weekend. Really? And that was, they're going to be bringing on Chris Burnham to do Arkham Asylum 2, and then Grant Morrison is also returning he to He is do returning that. to D.C. So Chris Burnham, who we interviewed at ID10T Fest, and I say we, it was really Adam who did all the <laughs> legwork at that one. Uh, you can go back a few episodes and listen to that. We were featured on the Bleeding Cool website. Uh, Chris Burnham, awesome guy. Sounded like he was just a, lot a of tremendous, fun. tremendous yeah. guy. And I am so glad to hear him get such a high-profile work with Grant Morrison, who also announced that Wonder Woman Earth One is going to be a trilogy of original graphic novels. Yeah, I was excited about that too. And it, as weird as this is going to sound, I'm excited for those two, those two, the next two volumes. Yes, I'm excited for when they're over because I love <laughs> Yannick Paquette. Who's and so awesome. He's great. And, yeah. and I want to see him on monthly comics. But I can't wait to see the next volume of Wonder Woman Earth One because they promise lots of Nazi punching. Oh, well, And yeah. who isn't down for Nazi punching? Wonder Woman in World War II is already proven to be a great setting. Right. Well, and I guess it was World War I for the movie, but to put her in wartime. Right. Uh, makes for a chance. It makes it makes for good imagery, and yep. it makes for her a chance to just whoop ass. Yeah, exactly. I cannot wait to see and a very classic version of Wonder Woman, mixed with um, what Frank. Uh, what, excuse me. What Grant Morrison believes to be the ideals that that uh, William Moulton Marston, the creator of the character, envisioned in in the character to begin with, and to really just crank that up to eleven and let's see. Marston's full, un, uncensored, unrestrained creativity at work on this So book. he put his, his Marston uh, fiction suit on? I think he did. Okay. I think he did. You know, he, that, I think that he, makes sense. That's not a weird thing. Either that, or he just summoned him in a thaumaturgic triangle and and asked him a bunch it, of it, his it, ghostly form a bunch of questions. Yeah. So, or uh, <laughs> he had Doctor Manhattan conjure him up. Yeah, you know. And speaking of Doctor Manhattan, <laughs> see what I did there. <laughs> <laughs> so there's been this thing that's been teased for a while since our very first episode of Volume Two of Graphic Content, where. Is it Dr. Manhattan or is it not Dr. Manhattan? And guess what? It is Dr. Manhattan that has been futzing with the DC Universe since Rebirth issue, DC Rebirth uh, issue number one. And we get to see Jeff Johns and Gary Frank reunite. Like, oh my God, I'm so into this. Like, please? At first, I thought it was just going to be like four issues. And they're like, no, this is 12. This is going to go once a month for a whole year. And DC even had the balls... And I can't remember who it was, but they were like, yeah, this is going to be the top-selling book of that of when it comes out. Yeah. They're like, it's just going to be number one. And we're launching it in date proximity to when Watchmen first came out. What was it, 25 or no, 30 years ago uh, Yeah. at this point? 
So Jeff Johns was very clear that he wanted to put this, the first issue of this book out as when he was a kid and read Watchmen number one. He That's, was a kid reading Watchmen number one. That's I was hilarious. A, I was a teenager. Let's be serious well, here. Well, I mean, that's different than just a kid grabbing Watchmen. I think we're going to finally get the mystery behind who Mr. Oz is. Um, we're going to find... I, they already did spoiled they, that. Did they spoil that? I, I, yeah. I'm behind a couple of weeks here, I, so... I, I'll tell you off air. Okay. Because I don't... It hasn't happened in the comics, so I don't want to spoil it if I, you're reading Is it books. who I think it is? I don't know who the fuck you think it is. Well, you know, nothing ever ends... I, I don't know. He references the name when he's speaking to him. Nothing true. Okay, we'll talk off we'll air. We'll talk off air, yeah. I ain't to spo- avoid any spoilers. But uh, so Mr. Oz is going to be officially revealed. Dr. Manhattan is, is apparently going to be officially revealed. And it's basically going to be, what the hell happened? Why is he, ex- is he experimenting with the DC Universe? What the hell is he doing with the DC Universe? And really, is there anything that any superhero in the DC Universe Short of, I don't know, God. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Because I know God exists thanks to Grant Morrison. So. Yes. He, they established him in that. The uh, the four hosts of angels and the whole thing like yeah. that. So I, I, I tell you, the audacity of DC Comics to return to the theme, not just the themes of Watchmen, but to the themes of Watchmen with the Watchmen characters through the lens of DC continuity my hat's off for Jeff Johns, but dude, don't fuck it up. That's it's, all I got to say yeah. is do not fuck this up. Yeah, that could be that could go either way. I don't see it being a ho-hum thing. I, I am absolutely excited for it yeah. because I am all for balls-to-the-wall creativity. And, and, you know, I'm not one for preciousness <laughs> and leaving things sacrosanct for too long. I, I think that Watchmen's been out long enough. People get why it's so special. Now you can experiment a little bit with it. I mean, I thought Darwin Cook did a great job with Beyond Watchmen Minutemen, which I by no right should have been a good book. Yeah, I didn't buy I didn't buy any of that shit until way later Same I here. found it in like a dollar bin or something. Same here. And you know what? That was my loss because there was some good shit being told in some of those issues. And every one of Darwin Cook's Minutemen issues were fantastic. So I'll have to hit that up. You, you I really, have it, but I haven't read it. Okay. So, so but a crazy crossover they're going to do. Speaking of crossovers, yep. yep. Uh, like they're doing the Watchmen DC. Well, the Justice League's going to crossover with the Doom Patrol from the whole Young Animal line. That's right. Which might as well be Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol. Really, I mean Gerard Wade is Wade. Gerard Way. <laughs> Gerard Wade Wilson? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think he's he's grossly disfigured, nor can he regenerate. But he uh, yeah. uh anyway, he is he is gonna be penning this book, teaming up the Doom Patrol with with the current Justice League. And the Justice League of America writer Steve Orlando is also gonna hop on. So you're gonna get a true synergy between the two Justice League teams. It, or the the, the Justice the, the Justice League and the Doom Patrol. Right. And the art is gonna be done by an artist by the name of Akko. ACO, so yeah, he's done some really good stuff. He did like fill-ins over at uh, for like Wonder Woman okay. with uh, with uh, Azarello Chang. Gotcha. And then he also launched Midnighter with Steve Orlando. Oh, okay. Now I know because I was racking my brain trying to remember who this guy was. His most recent thing was Nick Fury with James Robinson. Gotcha. And gotcha. Uh, so I'm not a huge Steve Orlando fan, so I feel like I'm getting Diet Soda. 
Well, so we, I'm curious to see how this is going to work. Hey, if if Way is turning in the plots and Orlando is doing the dialogue, may, who <sighs> knows? I, I'd rather have Way do the dialogue and Orlando do the plots. Or who knows? Maybe yeah. they'll just split it up 50-50. Who, you know, maybe Way will have a great influence on him. You I know? would love to see that. You know, who's to say? Um, and and this is, I, I have to say, who's to say how I'm going to feel about this last bit of news with DC Okay, I'm taking my glasses off, which means I'm going to rub my eyes now. Yeah, okay. So, Adam, so, do you want to so, just... So, as well, weird as the Doom Patrol is, this, 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 is, this is weird the, in real life. This is reality doing a 90-degree turn with me not wearing my seatbelt. So, I, I'm feeling a little blindsided by this, but I'll get over it. I'm just going to go hug a teddy bear for a second. So oh, Go ahead. So it's, go ahead. It's Frank Miller oh, God. and John Romita Jr., uh. On Superman Year One. Oh my God! I don't feel like we need another Superman origin story. How many of them have their? I mean, f- what's his name? Um, um, Landis, uh, Max Landis, just did American Alien like a year or two ago, and right? He's going to do a sequel to it. Oh, okay. Supposedly, that's a whole nother conversation. Which I'm excited. If he does that, I'll be. I excited like Max to re- Landis. I think that guy's crazy energy is needed in more mediums. I would love to see him write for more for television. I would like to see him write more films. I want to see him write more comic books. I, I as a creator, I think he's fantastic. He is fantastic, but he scares me also. I, I <laughs> see know? why. You and, know, but but and then you've also got Superman Secret Origin, which Jeff Johns and Gary Frank. Right. Not bad. Right. You've got uh Superman Birthright, which is Mark Wade and Leno U. You have Man of Steel from back in John Burns Day. And and at the time that was divisive, but to me I think that's a still solid read. Absolutely. Especially if you place it back in in the context of which it came out. But there are there have been so many Superman year one style projects. And look, I'm not trying to take away anything from the Godfather of Comics, the current living Godfather of Comics, Frank Miller. I mean, this guy's career is storied. We don't even need to discuss anything that that guy's done because he has done amazing stuff. I have to say that you could fill an absolute edition with all of the different Superman origin stories and miniseries that have come out. Holy shit, you could. I never thought of that. You can do 24 oversized pages with tons of special features in a slipcase edition called Superman Origins, yeah. okay? And I, I just, I question DC. Now, going back to Frank Miller, look, this is the guy that has did the seminal work on Daredevil. I love Frank Miller, the creator. I admit to not reading Dark Knight 3 for very specific reasons. For me, I did read Dark Knight 3. Okay. I was a big fan of it. Um, a lot of people, I mean, I'm going to put it out there. It wasn't as good as the, the first one. I mean, nothing really will be. So nope. when you take that off the table uh, and just kind of accept it for what it is, yeah. I thought it was a fun, enjoyable superhero story. And while, while both of those guys are not necessarily known for fun and enjoyable, mm-hmm. the thing I liked about it was even though the situation was dark and you had the invasion of this cult from, from Krypton or from uh, Kandor, Trying yeah. to, to take over the earth. The whole core of the story was about friendship yeah. between Batman and Superman. And that gave me hope for this project. Okay. I was like, if that's the type of Superman we're going to see, the Superman who is hopeful, the Superman that saves Bruce's life in there. Yeah. That sh- and it showed in that comic why they're friends. Superman was not some dickhead. He wasn't a beat down 
uh, and he wasn't a and he wasn't a tool of the the government, right? You know, or and he wasn't some beat down, dep- uh, depressed, oppressed character. He was Superman, right? Right. And and if that's the kind of Superman we're going to get out of this this project, I'm all for it. Then I'm with you. You know, if uh, I'll be hopeful for it now, if it's Frank Miller doing all the writing, which we know he can do. Um, I'm all for it. If Brian Azzarello is along for the ride, I'm going to have to revisit my decision. You know, and of course Absolutely. they haven't announced that, but it looks like John Romero Jr. is going to do the art. And I hope he, he, he maybe refocuses on his anatomy a little bit. Uh, <laughs> but well, lo- my favorite Frank Miller daredevil project is daredevil man without fear, which those two worked on. Yeah. And, I love and pretty that much story. was the, the the foundation for Daredevil season one on Netflix. Really. Oh, absolutely! And I would love to see that. There's a saying that you can't go home again, right? And I certainly hope that 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 this is the exception to that rule. Me too. Me too. So look, uh, that's all that we have really for DC out of this one. Uh, we're now going to switch over to Marvel Comics. We might be a little bit more rapid fire. Now we have a total, we only had five stories for DC. We have eight for Marvel, but I would say this is a light eight. If you, if, if, if I'm being fair at yeah. this point, so, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm going to start this one off with that. Marvel is diving into digital first with the, with iron fists. Yes. Uh, it's a follow up to Carrie Andrews's immortal iron fist book exa- or not. No, Iron Fist, the living weapon. Right, exactly. And the art is going to be done by Afu Chan. Uh, and who, it's it's available now. If you yeah. go to Comixology and you have the Comixology Unlimited, you can read it, or you can pick it up for three ninety nine. Two ninety nine. Oh, two ninety nine. Yep. Yeah, and they just they said, oh, this is going to be a thing, and then it literally that day, like that released. day. So so kudos to Marvel for what I think is a marketing win for a change. <laughs> We've given a lot of shade to Marvel over the last few months. And no, seriously, let's give them a round of applause for that one. Yeah, I'm um, excited. I love the Harry fact Andrews. that they announced it at San Diego and was available the same day. That's pretty balls. It, it was. Um, it was funny because it was also a play out of the Robert Kirkman playbook, which right. he did that with Tech Jacket years yes, he ago. Did. Yes, and he did. I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. But I also loved, uh, I loved that this story is being followed up. Yes. And that we have a potential to see somebody else that's a major player in the Iron Fist mythology. Right. So it's a six-year-old girl by the name of... She's like 13. She's like 13? 12, 12, okay, 13. I misread it. I, maybe it was misreported on the site that I read. It was misreported, yeah. Okay, but she is a preteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chinese girl, I shouldn't say Chinese, but from Kunlun, who also defeated Sholao the Undying. And <laughs> so she has the Iron Fist as well. Yep. So this is a story of how of how Danny Rand kind of falls into the guardianship of this young lady and the adventure that they go on. And um, I'm looking forward to it as an as and I told we we have a whole episode episode 10. Uh, point one was about Iron Fist in comics, so please go back and listen to that. You know I've got much love for for this character, and I'm all down for the legacy being explored further. I think this way of, of marketing is is genius, just like we talked about. It's yep. ballsy. The ballsiest thing about it, they've not announced a print release date. Nope. They and haven't there's done. no real... They haven't set it for trade. They haven't set it for any type of print. Right. They just said, here it is. It's going to be bi-weekly. Yeah. So and it's six issues. I'm like, that's fucking awesome. It's great, especially if you're an unlimited subscriber like you are, Adam. I, I'm not an unlimited subscriber, but, you know, 18 bucks for six issues of a comic 
Or I might wait because I'm on a trade tear right now. Oh yeah, if they put it out in trade. Do you see? I got Planetary Number One, the new the new printing. From At Wild first, Ke- I was like, "What is that?" And then I yeah. saw on the back, he has a book sitting on like his D and D dice. Yeah. In the graphic, the high tech graphic content studio. Yes. And it says, <laughs> and it, there's a red blurb on the back of it, and it just says, "This is Planetary," and yeah. I was like, "That's fucking cool." Yeah, it's like issues one through fourteen, and it's Shit. it's got Planetary um, Stormwatch in there. As well, so nice. or planetary authority. Authority, that's yeah. And it's like got that. another special issue in there, and then they're going to release a volume two with the other special yeah. issues they did. But, so yeah, but that'll go I, into your trade it, stack. It, it, you know, and I've been buying a ton of Marvel trades recently as well. So I very well could just wait for the trade on this, just to have the complete story. But I have not finished uh, Iron Fist: The Living Weapon by Kari Andrews. So I I hear you know I hear you back from episode ten telling me that I should read the full thing. I'm going to do that. So okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get the collection for that. And then hopefully by that time, this thing will be collected. Yeah, so I'm a huge Carrie Andrews fanboy. Anything he does, I oh, check he, out. He is really cool. I mean, and he's multi-talented. He's also a filmmaker and, you know, I'm just totally into what he is doing. And they said that this won't be the last for digital first, you know, that will just be awesome with short-term announcements. So I'm looking forward to what they do next with yeah, this. Yeah. This is a great format for them. Uh, and Especially if the book is already in the can, like if they've done all the work ahead of time and can release on a biweekly schedule like a clock. I mean, that's really cool for the digital reader. Absolutely. So, and Marvel's other big announcement is which, inc- is, which isn't really news because we all pretty much anybody who follows like the internet websites and we're not going to name them again. You pretty much saw this one coming, but we're going to say it anyway. Uh, Donny Cates is now exclusive at uh, Marvel. Yep. Uh, Donnie Cates, you may know from uh, our interview at ID10T Fest, where he dropped in on Matt Horick and I. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I was. Your brush with gr- new Marvel exclusivity yeah. greatness. Well, this is typical Marvel, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean no. that in they snatch up, if there's somebody on the rise, they snatch that person up. Sam Humphreys was the same way. Yep. But anyway, so he is going to be doing Doctor Strange. So Jason Aaron's going to be leaving that book. Oh, he's already left. Dennis oh, okay. Hopeless and Nico Hendrickson's That's right. on it. You're right. Okay. But uh, so, but he's going to be taking over for those people. He's going to be doing the art with, uh, help me, Gabriel Hernandez Walta. Yep. Uh, okay. Who, who did the vision? Right. He did. Oh, and if you haven't read Tom King's The Vision, what the hell is wrong with you? Um, just going to yeah. say that out loud. That comic is fucking crazy. Well, it won an Eisner this year. Yeah, I mean, you know, and that'll go into our Eisner special right there. So, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I think it's going to be a great comic. Uh, I've not read a whole lot of Donny Cates' stuff. Please forgive me, no, Donny. No, neither, neither. I have know I, you're listening, but I'm going to now. You know, um, now that he's doing Doctor Strange, and I love Doctor Strange. And so the 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 catch on this is Loki is the Sorcerer Supreme, right? Doctor and Strange lost the position somehow. So, and while I'm kind of tired of the, oh, look, Doctor Strange isn't Doctor Strange anymore, putting Loki in there, like, what the fuck is going to happen there? I'm curious. I'm curious. And he's also going to be doing a fan, or he's going to be taking over the Thanos book. I think he's going to be a new thing. Or is it a new edition? Okay. I think it's going to be a new thing. But I'm he's not gonna, sure. But he's going to do it with his co-creator of his, of his creator-owned work, oh, God's God. Country. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Shaw. So mm-hmm. he's going to be doing that book with him. It's very rare you get to see a, a creator own creative team come on and actually do like a main mainstream Marvel or DC book. Well, there's, of course, you know, the love that we've shown online to our pals, uh, Tom King and uh, Mitch Garrods yeah. on Mr. Miracle. So they've gone from Sheriff of Babylon, 
which is creator-owned. To Batman issues. To Batman issues, and now to this Mr. Miracle series, which looks crazy as shit. Yeah. That's just something else. I'm sorry. I had to go back to DC there for a second. No, I, I get it. But I mean, that's, that's a that's great example. One, but, but it's one of the few examples that are out there, you yeah. know, truth be told. Um, then Ed Pisker, uh, who has d- done... Uh, f- Hip-Hop for, Family Tree. That's what I was trying to say. I have not read Hip Hop Family Tree. I am not that hip, nor am I, am I that hop. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm a fan of hip hop. I, I no, like I dig it too. But I'm just it. It wasn't something that was really on my radar ever. But now that he has been tapped to create an X Men title, has me uniquely intrigued in his creative well, work. Well, I read it. It wasn't really for me because a lot of it. Uh, I don't know. Have you? This is going to be a weird thing. But have you read like? The Bible and like the Book of Chronicles and that kind of shit. Uh, no. So anyway, yeah. anyway, it's just basically my brain hurts. Uh. Well, like in that and in family, family, uh, hip hop family tree, it's just kind of like this happened and then this happened gotcha. and this happened. Okay. And for me, it got monotonous at the end, and where it just became genealogy. And I, it's like this begat these people. This begat this begat this yeah, begat and this I, begat. And while I felt like it was drawn fantastic, I ended up tuning out. Okay. But with X Men Grand Design, I get the impression he's going to essentially do the same thing for the X Men. Interesting. And I'm actually going to check that one out because I'm a huge X X Men fan. And if you look at some of his stuff, he has like he'll put X Men like little Easter eggs in the hip hop family tree. Like there'll be a comic lying on the floor and there'll okay. be X Men, that kind of stuff. So I know he loves the X Men. Well, it, and it's going to play to his strengths. And it's going to start with the Stan and Jack X Men. So well, that's I mean, not necessarily a good thing. But I don't <laughs> think that's necessarily a bad thing myself. You know, the fact that if he's going to trace the entire history of the X Men, you got to start somewhere. Yeah, and you he's, know, so I, I mean, I'm for that. You know, I loved X Men: The Hidden Years. I or excuse me, not not the Hidden Years, but X Men: First Class. I mean, I loved Hidden Years. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I meant to re- reference X Men: First Class by Jeff Parker. You know, even if it's just an issue or a segment of an issue, as he's telling this this you know graphical history of the X Men, I'm actually interested in an X Men project for the first time in years. Yeah, I haven't really enjoyed the X-Men since probably Secret Wars. Yeah. Maybe even before then. Maybe I maybe For me, even AVX. I think AVX is around my ending of the of my time visiting the X-Verse. And so it'll be nice to see kind of all the, the stuff we know and love uh put in a in a chronological order. Uh, that makes sense, and it, and it's going to look fantastic. He's a great artist. Yeah, he yeah. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. Now to talk about chronological order and fucking with one's chronological order. Oh my god, this news just about bent my brain in half. Oh, it broke my brain in half. Okay, so we all know the the storied history of Miracle Man. If you don't know about Miracle Man. There's there's plenty of articles online. The Go saga, look. the legal saga of Miracle Man, is every bit as interesting as the story inside the book, if not more. You know, you could probably do an American Crime Story or an American <laughs> or some kind of TV miniseries just on the legal maneuverings back and forth between uh, yeah, so many it, different creators. At, it's at, insane. It is insane, and it's it, it makes for incredible reading. Uh, look up Miracle Man. It's all one word on Wikipedia. If you're not familiar with it. 
to um, basically familiarize yourself with this Captain Marvel analog that was created by Mick, by Mick Anglo. Yes. Uh, and by Captain Marvel, we mean Shazam. Shazam, Captain Marvel. I, I still have a problem calling him just Shazam. I get that. No, his yeah. name is Captain Marvel. It's just, uh, you know, Marvel cockblock that. Yeah, they, they, they did it. And, uh, um, but it's funny that it is now at Marvel. But at one point, so Alan Moore... Uh, took this series, and I am blanking on the guy that he did that did the artwork. There was with a it. bunch of people. There was a bunch Gary, of people. Gary Leach did some. Right. Uh, I know Chuck Austin. Yes. As uh, his, with yep. a different surname, Chuck Beckham. Right. And did an a, issue. And at a certain point, um, he was working on it with Alan Davis, if I remember correctly. And then Alan Moore said, "I don't want anything more to do with this title. I'm moving on because I'm fucking Alan Moore and I'm crazy." So Alan Davis took over the book for a while, and yeah, I, I no, I thought it went straight from Moore to Gaiman. No, I don't. I think there was there was a buffer there. I don't know. It, it's been so many years. We'll have to we'll, tell you what. Write us at, at Graphic Podcast and, and educate us on this one. Yeah. But the fact is that Neil Gaiman and Mark Buckingham uh, became the next permanent team on the book. Uh, and they were given the rights, and it was all verbal and handshake back then. You From know. and it was over the pond too. Right. This was in England, and this accounts for the legal craziness which ensued once the property was brought to America. But but Neil Gaiman and and Mark Buckingham turned in some of the most prophetic comics of the time, basically seeing into the future of what superhero comics were going to become. And, I mean, they started telling some crazy stories. Unfortunately, their American publisher, I have to cough. <clears throat> that was Eclipse, right? It was Eclipse. And they had to, they, they folded. They just ran out of cash. Just and, one day, there was just no more Miracle Man comics. And people went, what? What? And then Todd McFarlane came along. And I don't want to get into the whole story. Again, read the wiki. Go to Comic Vine, go to Comic Book DB, go, you know, go to the various sources you learn about comic history from, from. But basically, Neil Gaiman went to go go to work at Marvel for a little bit so that he could get the rights to Miracle Man back, essentially. To Marvel. He and went. to give it to Marvel. That's what he oh, wanted. Because okay. he wanted he did not want Todd Todd McFarlane. I knew that, but I didn't realize that's why he went to to Marvel. Marvel put their Because that was in the early two thousands. Right. And so he went to Joe Quesada and said, look, I will do work for you, work for hire. So let me start doing work for Marvel Comics so that you can help me bring Miracle Man to a home that will publish him correctly. Because he was not a fan of how he was being used in the Spawn comics as a guy named Man of Miracles. Well, Again, I think he was, they, they hinted he was Cogliestro at the time. Well, they, right? It, no, there was. It was all kinds of. I don't know here. because I wasn't reading Spawn. I just saw a bit where they called him Man of Miracles. Okay, and yeah, I, that was that was Todd teasing at the time, that, right? And that they, character. They even did a toy, toy, you know, quote unquote action figure, which yeah. was really a plastic statue, you know, featuring <laughs> yeah. Man of Miracles. And look, long story short, Miracle Man was this prescient book, which, which. I mean, Warren Ellis in the nineteen mid to late 1990s called it the fourth movement, where basically he brought in widescreen cinematic superheroics. 
and you know big thoughts and big ideas and you know painting with a with with a meticulous brush of these ideas um he did this in books like the authority he did this in books like planetary he did this in books like super gods and his run on excalibur and stuff like that and this was all influenced by miracle man in in large part to miracle man and other british comics that were being put out at that time and it's just amazing that marvel Okay, so Marvel, once their legal juggernaut gets involved, it, they pretty much cleaned up it in court. It took them years, though. It took them a few years, but they were going to win because they had more money. And they went to Mick Anglo, and they said, oh, we, this all ties back to you. Here's a million dollars. And Mick Anglo said, thank you. And he was 93 at the time, so he became a 93-year-old millionaire. Exactly. You know, so... You know, Marvel got the rights back. Todd McFarlane was excused from the line of procession of who owned of who owned Miracle Man. Not just not just by that, but also by the the legal system. Oh, he was pissed. Oh yeah, I, I remember reading. He said, "I'm having a talk with my lawyer," and it turned out he'd only purchased the copyright to a couple logos. Yeah, that was pretty much it. And and look, you know, whoever was was handling that side of his business. I mean, I feel bad for Todd I'm McFarlane because sure he expired. He spent a ton of money to get Miracle Man, and you know, because he loved it as much as the rest of us. I'm yep. not going to fault him for that. But here's the craziness. This is how we're segueing from, the, you know, X Men uh, uh, Grand Design into this. Is that I guess Mark Buckingham was never fully satisfied with the art that he turned in on the initial part of the Silver Age storyline. He was an artist. He was an artist. <laughs> you know, and, and art is never complete, right? Isn't right. that how the old adage goes? Well, he's going back and redrawing every single issue, and that's why we have not gotten new Miracle Man since Marvel fully acquired it some years back, is that Mark Buckingham decided to to follow his his inner George Lucas and said, fuck it, if, if I'm going to do this... I'm going to do this the way that Mark Buckingham of 2010, 2015, whatever year, he decided to redraw the whole series. He decided to go whole, whole hog back into it. Yeah, that was pretty ballsy on his part. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you, I can't believe that that's even going to happen. But they, and they said it's going to come out. They haven't said when. Exactly. They, they said it, it's, on, it's, on the, uh, it's on the radar, and it'll happen soon. Um, another thing that's happening soon, and I'm really excited about this, and I know, Jim, you might be a tad excited about this. Maybe. And that's uh, Wade and Samney coming on to Captain America. It's so dope. I'm pretty excited. <laughs> I this cannot is, wait. I've not read a bad Mark My Wade. My nerd brain yeah. is exploding. <laughs> yeah, I've not read, read a bad uh, Mark Wade uh, Cap story, let alone with Chris Somney. I don't think I've read a bad story with Chris Somney on the art. I think he just makes everything better. Yeah. yeah everything's better with Somni. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I'm look, I, we did uh, our top five Marvel books some time back. Spoiler. Spoiler. Black Widow was my number one Marvel book of 2016. It just was. It, it just pound for pound was, it told 12 issues of a concise and wonderful Black Widow story that started with, you know, the most amazing escape from the S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarrier I had ever seen. And it just was just balls-to-the-wall action, espionage action ever since. Mark Wade has written Captain America not once but twice before. He has written Captain America in the pages of Avengers. This guy lives and breathes the Sentinel of Liberty. 
this is a guy who understands Steve Rogers. I'm sorry, hit Captain America with him and, oh, shit. Um, he did it with Ron Garney. Ron Garney. He did it with uh, and Andy Kubert, I think. Possibly. But, he did it with but one of the Kuberts. In in particular, the, I'm thinking of his initial run with Ron Operation Garney. Operation Rebirth and all yeah, that. Yeah, and all that stuff. This is a guy who loves Captain America, and I cannot think of a better pair of creators to take on this comic book than Wade, Mark Wade and Chris Samney, just bar none. Now, there's some rumors about Ta-Nehisi Coates from Black Panther possibly picking up from wherever they decide to leave off from their storyline, which would also be amazing because I love the Black Panther comic. That'll be interesting for me because I i wasn't a huge fan of the Black Panther comic. I'd like to go back and give it a second chance. It was a little over my head okay. at the time, uh, but I would like to see him... It introduced me to Afrofuturism, which I didn't know was a thing in, in, in full disclosure, and I think it's awesome. Yeah, you I, know. Would, I would love to see his take on Captain America, if that's yeah. the case. I mean, he's already proven a, a successful writer with Black Panther and the various spinoffs. Right. Um, you know, to, to give him such a, a large figure, I think, would be would be a great, a great thing. Uh, but, you know, hopefully that doesn't get in the way and limit what Wade and well, Somney well, can well, do. I, I'm just excited for the Wade and Somney stuff first. And if, if Coates turns in the work of his career with Captain America more power to him. You know, I'm just looking forward to what he has to do. Um, and look, I just want to go through a couple of quick Marvel bits right here. Robbie Thompson, Chris Bashalo, you're going to love this. They're going to be starting soon on Deadpool Spider-Man. That book is such a weird book in the in the way it's done because it started with Joe Kelly and Ed McGinnis. Uh-huh. And they're fucking fantastic. Well, yeah. And then, but it would have like these weird filler issues so you didn't really need to, uh, to, to follow it issue by issue. Right. And they've had some weird fillers since, but Robbie Thompson, highly underrated guy. No, I agree with you uh, on that. And then Chris fucking Bichalo, who's coming straight off of Doctor Strange. Like, yes, I want to see them do... Uh, bring, bring over an issue BP before and, we do a recording, because I'd love to see it. You know, I just, I need to see it to understand it. It's going right, to be crazy, I think. I think you're probably right. Um, here's one for me. They're actually going to be doing a Star Wars comic featuring one of my favorite characters, Grand Admiral Thrawn. It's going to be done by the awesome creator team of Jody Hauser and Luke Ross. It's going to be a mini series starting in Mar- from Marvel sometime in fourth quarter. I can imagine that being a big talking point on a Hollow Net. Yeah, when we get back, because we've unfortunately we've fallen off our recording schedule on Hollow Net HQ, so we got to get back on the horse with that one. Uh, we're going to be doing a, an episode just on what's been going on in Star Wars books and comics. So look forward to that coming up in the, in the weeks and or month to come. Uh, and then just real quick, uh, Marvel is starting what they're calling an East Asian imprint for new characters that are going to launch first in the Mandarin language. And this is from Whole Cloth. This isn't like an adaptation of Captain America. Right. This isn't like Spider-Man India. This isn't like Spider-Man Japan or any of that stuff. This is, this is a new character called Swordmaster. And another character called Arrow, and they're which brand is a- new properties. A E R O, like aeroplane. Mm-hmm. Um, so Swordmaster is a male character. Arrow is a female character. Um, They've got uh, creators already uh, 
to all ready to write and draw it. So they're ready to go on this one, and, and they, they want they they basically want to break into the Chinese comics market. It's just it's it's brilliant, I think, on their part. I think so too, and God knows with Marvel behind it, who knows if they'll make their way into cartoons or anime or fuck even feature film i mean if if they if they prove popular enough they say that they're eventually going to translate them into english and bring them over to the united states and european markets but we don't know when that's going to happen and they haven't established these characters as marvel universe characters either exactly so it it now they could which oh, is yeah. what they did at marvel uk with captain britain and and his weird menagerie of characters oh that's right with yeah you know when that. alan moore came on that book they they really said no it's just across the pond from marvel manhattan so who knows maybe it's across the pacific from from you know the west coast avengers former hangout so we just don't know yet yeah uh, i'm excited to see where that goes yeah i am i'm very very curious so adam we're going to turn in cuz we're running out of time here but we're we're going to Push it as long as we can so that we get everything in here. Um, we're going to go into our indie comic segment. So yes, here's a quick one for you. Sega's, Sega characters are no longer being published by Archie Comics. After 23 years, there's been a, a great divorce in yeah. which on Twitter they said, thank you, goodbye. And then at SDCC said, how you doing, IDW? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I mean, okay, again, super Star Wars fan here. The young reader Star Wars comics are dope. They're so good, you know? Our our biggest seller at, at Comic Grapevine is, uh, for kids, mm-hmm. is My Little Pony. And we don't order, like, for, I mean, we have a couple pool customers. Sure. But we order over what we normally over for other books because we know some kid's going to pick up a random if, issue right up so off the So you get a lot of those rando customers, especially on kids' titles. They're hard to track, but... And you're going to get that with Sonic as well. Yep. So Sonic the Hedgehog, we know, is going to be the first one up to bat because that's Sega's mascot. Um, after that, I mean, the, the field is wide open. And IDW also announced that they're cutting back their production. Even though that they're doing better than they've ever done before financially as a company, they have decided to cut back their production 25%. Yeah, so they're going to have about 40 books a month. Right. Which is still, I, that's nothing to scoff at. No. But, but that's ballsy for them to to announce, A, we've got a new license, and B, we're cutting back, and then leading into their other announcement yeah. of the Black Crown imprint from Shelley Bond. I know, and I'm looking at these titles here. Um, okay, first of all, okay, Shelley Bond, who was Karen Berger, and we're going to talk about Karen Berger in a minute. Because she ain't done. Yes. <laughs> Karen Berger has a lot to say. And same with Shelly Bond. Shelly Bond is not done either. And God bless her. I'm glad that she has got Black Crown over at IDW. Uh, she, their first title that they're going to put out is something called Assassinistas. Yeah. So I don't, you know, I have not heard of Teeny Howard. She's written, uh, she wrote, the thing I know her from is a Power Rangers miniseries, Power Rangers Pink. Okay. She took over writing duties for that, and she's done stuff here and there. Okay. So she's still a new talent who's breaking into the industry, and I think to give her a creator-owned title, and not only to work with any artist, 
She's working with the legendary and Eisner Hall of Famer, uh, Gilbert Hernandez. Which just sent my brain spinning. Like, seriously, like, my my two loaves of bread that I call a brain started spinning, like, on full spin cycle. Yes, I'm mixing my metaphors here. (laughs) That's how crazy this was to me. It's like, wait a minute, what? (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to at least check out the first issue. They have me for that. They also have another book that they announced. So they announced two books to, that they're coming out with under Black Crown, and the book is called Punk's Not Dead. Uh, it's written by a novelist who I'm, whom I am not familiar with named David Burnett. Yeah, me either. But he is doing the art with Martin Simmons. He did the that series uh, Death, Death Sentence from Titan, yes. and it ran in that, that one Mark Miller magazine that he yep. had going on. Uh, Clint. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, I forgot that was Clint. the name of it. Yeah. That, Air quotes, Clint. Yeah. And it was. That's one all of, I'm going to say. Yeah. It was fucking one of Miller. the stories in that. You know, we can't get through an episode where we go, fuck, fucking Mark Miller. Yeah. No. <laughs> I swear to God. God. Yeah. I forgot that was the name. But, oh, my God. But yeah. So it'll be drawn by somebody who's done this. But Shelly Bond, I mean, she's learned from Karen Berger, and so she's like... Served her as her right-hand woman for how many years? I mean, uh, Yeah, and then was given the keys to the kingdom, so she knows... Before she, DC made certain decisions oh, with Vertigo that... DC was... Stu- God, don't anyway, even get Anyway, that, that's another conversation. But, yeah, and so, I mean, she's seen Karen Berger bring in some little guy named uh, Neil Gaiman. Yep. And, uh, and then some other guy named uh, Grant Morrison. Yeah, and another guy named Peter Milligan. And another is... guy named Garth Ennis. <laughs> <laughs> and Peter Milligan's actually going to be writing a title over there with Tess Fowler. I forget what it's called. Yeah, I didn't write it down the in the first, notes. It's going to be a first book to launch out of there. So, so she knows what she's doing. Yeah, she. I mean, obviously they've got some sense of, of loyalty. And look... IDW is doing, hey, they have given John Byrne an outlet, a creative outlet. As God crazy, bless him. As crazy as John Byrne is, his Fumetti comics are kind of interesting. I won't call them completely original, but you know what? He's doing something that no other American comic creator is doing right now. Yeah, they, they so really So credit give, where credit is due. Yeah, and I mean, they're, they've got, on G.I. Joe right now, they've got Aubrey Sitterson and uh, Giannis Melagianis. I I think that's his name. Yeah. But that book looks like no other G.I. Joe that's, book that's come before it. That's for goddamn sure. It sure isn't the days of Larry Hama and... Uh, and oh, they're putting fuck. that fucking out, too. Right. And they're putting so, classic G.I. Joe out. They're putting out new G.I. Joe. So, I mean... They're ID, also... Let me say this yeah, really yeah. quick. Is part of their reduction, they're, they're scaling back from eight Transformers titles <laughs> down to one... I don't know how many different Transformers books they're doing, but... It was 20. It, <laughs> it, it felt like it. It felt like there was at least two or three concurrent series going on at all times. And time. you couldn't make uh, heads or tails of any of them for me. So, so I don't know if it's going to be G1 Transformers. I don't know if it's going to be Michael Bay Transformers. But what I do know is that there will still be an ongoing Transformers book for those fans to to really uh, latch on to and love going forward, just like with the G.I. Joe titles. Yeah. Sometimes less is more. Well, they're they're doing the whole uh, Hasbro universe. Right. So, you it, know, Rom Space Knight, they're going to pick up, they picked up Visionaries. Um, 
which is an old toy line. Yeah, I, I, was, I saw I the look saw of confusion. That and I was like, what the fuck? They had like hologram stickers on their chest plates that oh, showed okay. different things. We're, we're going to br- need to bring John Wright in because he remembers, or oh, Chris Weiler. They okay. both remember visionaries much better than so I do. So more old people? Yeah, more, more <laughs> old people. Hey, if you got young people that know shit, you can bring all them right, by too. Right. You know, I'm just saying. So look, it might be counterintuitive, but I think that they're concentrating their efforts on putting out quality books. They have proven that they that they're YA friendly, young young adult and young reader friendly YR books. So and I, they co partnered in making uh, the Eisner Award winning Love Is Love anthology. Okay, Mark and Draco, who I have loved for years and years. This guy, look, I am a fan of Mark and Draco, going back to well, fuck, I can't remember what he did before Manhunter. Um, the Kate was Spencer it, was it, he did he did a book with Bendis was that torso or gold goldfish? It was it was one of I the, think it was torso, but I mean Mark and Draco is a writer's writer. I mean this guy knows his shit and he is a regular on some internet channels that I, I favor like Screen Junkies and Collider Video, um, and is a movie trivia machine. And it makes him the per- perfect person to write Wonder Woman 77. Right. I mean, and this dude loves Wonder Woman 77, and he has been on the forefront of bringing more LGBT creators into the industry, being a member of that community himself. He has he has well-earned his Eisner for the Love is Love anthology that he edited on the fly, basically, Last year, there was um, a shooting at a, a, a Pulse, gay night, nightclub Pulse called night Pulse Club in uh, Orlando. In Orlando, and where I, I can't remember the exact number. I want to say 49 people died, but it, it could be a little bit less, could be a little bit more. So many other people were wounded. And then the entire community, not just the gay community. The entire the, comics community. The, the, not just the comics community, but America was scarred by this. I mean, we were Absolutely. in the middle of a very contentious... Um, primary season, yeah. election primary season, but it got Republicans to say, holy crap, it got conservatives. Look, I don't want to call out Republicans for being anti-gay. I'm not doing that. But what I'm saying is that it got a lot of people who are known for rhetoric of family values and you know life going back traditionalists. to the, traditionalists, going back to the way things were in the 1950s to stop and say, this was not right. And really... It was an act of terrorism. Absolutely. Domestic so, terrorism. And, and there was this guy named Mark Andraco who has edited books before. He was an editor at DC Comics for a time, and he was a creator, still is a creator at DC Comics with he a wonderful get De- Wonder Woman 77. And he did that Death of Hawkman series. De- I, I spoke so highly about yes, it. Yes, she did. <laughs> yes, she did. And how I loved... Oh, my God, the Kate Spencer Manhunter book was so amazing. I love that book that, that book, he did with Jesus Saez in the beginning. That uh, book was the the weird, <laughs> like, they try to get people to buy books um, based off of whatever crossover they're doing. Right. I bought that book because it crossed over with OMAC. I know. And that was a, I get the, the idea of that now because then I went back and I said, this is awesome. And I went and bought all the back issues. Right. And it be, I added it to my list. But so many people, Mark and Draco was able to leverage his connections in the comic book industry, which are apparently varied and mighty. And he was able to get great creators to come in and do work. 
certain exclusive creators were excused from their exclusivity so that they could write a piece or draw a piece for Love is Love. I mean, I can't remember. Um, I know two internet personalities uh, that I'll name check, Jason Inman and Ashley Victoria Robinson, his wife, and they're a partner on the Jawan channel on YouTube. Uh, they, they are the, they're putting out a comic called Jupiter Jet, The Adventures of Jupiter oh, Jet. Oh, yeah, they... They're they were coming promoting in. that at SDCC on right. the Action Lab panel. Right. And so they're gonna that that's their first comic that they've co-created that's coming out. They did a piece for it, and I remember um, you know, comic companies donated, they donated the printing for it, and it was all from the work of Mark and Draco, and that all the proceeds, not the profit, all the proceeds of this comic went to the charitable organization, which is going directly to support the victims and their families of the Pulse shooting, that he was able to put that together within a span of just a few months in the beginning. Of and the it was like a 100-page book. It was big. Yeah. And, and I, I got a copy. I was excited. Uh, Tana Ford, yep. who has done Silk and several other yep. things at Marvel, she was doing a thing where if you, I think if you paid 20 bucks or something like that, it she would draw on the cover of it and uh, do this this drawing on it, and so you'd have basically a specialized issue, right? And all of again donating all of that, and to, then all to that charity. money went to charity. And, and uh, I got a piece that has uh, she drew, and I was very specific. She was very kind. I I, I asked for uh, Warren Ellis era Midnighter. Yeah, because uh, Midnighter Monday. Visit our Instagram. We love Midnighter. Yeah. So and it has him, and she did it. In the way that his hand is holding the flag that's on the book. Would you post that to Instagram? Yeah. Because I, I oh, would yeah. love to see that. Yeah, it's I fucking see. cool. So, look, Mark and Draco, I'm not even going to joke about you listening, but if by some weird happenstance that you are somehow able to grab this podcast out of the ether, please know this. These two guys, this... How old are you, Adam? I'm, I'm 29. You're t- I, a 29-year-old and a 48-year-old. That and and we're allies of the LGBT community. Absolutely, and it's hard to talk about this book being as successful as it was without kind of choking up a little bit. So, good on you. You have done something to to take that indelible stain that was left on our country last year and help make it just a tiny bit less stained and. God, bo- God bless you for that. And the Eisners recognized you for that. And God damn it, we here at Graphic Content, if we gave out annual awards, we'd give you all of them because we just think you're a quality human being. Yeah. So that's my that's my soft kitty rant on... <laughs> <laughs> on Mark and Draco. On, on Mark and Draco and, and just what a, what a quality human being he is. And anybody who is uh, a fan of comics, look, you can still get Love is Love on on. on you know, uh, Amazon has it. Uh, a lot of comic shops they overordered on it. You can get it digitally. Well, they went into third printings. On they it. did. So, I mean, the book's out there. So, look, if you haven't gotten in on the bandwagon yet for it, you know, you can still support the comic shops which have ordered those books, and that money's already already spent. But you can support the comic shops that have supported that book. And if you buy it on Comicsology, they'll push the money right over to Andreco's uh, charitable organization. Make it happen. Yes. So anthologies are great. They're my favorite thing to just if out of random, I'll pick it up and then I'll open a page. You never and I'll know. be like, "Where's that?" And story they're all start? two page stories. Yeah, 
and I'll say, where's that story start? And I'll read that story and then put it down. So and every then, two pages, there's a brand new story for you. Yeah. And, and on 100 pages, that means you get 50 stories yeah. for this book. And, and I want to say it was eight bucks, but I, I it could It was be, 10. 10 bucks. Okay. Yeah. So look, just get love is love. Support the people who have been, who have been scarred or have lost loved ones for, for this dark event in our history. And, um, and, 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 and it's a very base support, good comics, support, good comics. Cause there are some good comics in this damn book. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so I want to, I, I want to take it just a little okay, bit absolutely. out of order. Um, we're going to talk about dark horse here and there's a big move. We talked about Karen Berger. We're going to get to her, but I just want to say real quick, as we're starting our talk about dark horse, just want to talk about real quick. We got a new volume of Umbrella Academy from oh, yes. Gerard Way and and Gabriel Ba. Look, just because Gerard Way is uh, is is shepherding the stuff over at Young Animal, doesn't mean that he's forgotten his bros and sisters over at Dark Horse. He is where keeping, he got his start. He is keeping that book at Dark Horse. They are still doing new books. There's going to be a Netflix series based on Umbrella what? Academy. That, that they one announced. I did not know. That will go into our media show a little Holy bit. Holy fuck. They have I'm not cast it. They haven't even got the writer's room for it yet, but they are going to do it on Netflix. That's going to be fucking it's, awesome. It's going to be great. You know, maybe it'll be kind of Tim Burton-y week to yeah, week. I, I mean, or that. whatever. So if you don't like the X-Men books now, go find Umbrella Academy because it's like the X-Men meets the Doom Patrol how many, on crack. Yeah. How many volumes are there? It's just two. Yeah. It's so two trades worth of stuff. Go go buy the comics. They're awesome. I'm sorry. Gabriel Ba's artwork is something to behold. Yeah. I mean, his pencil work goes from light to solid, over solid. I mean, yeah. he's able to do things with his... I don't know if he draws straight with ink or not, but... His work is amazing. And it's crazy because his brother, his twin brother, Fabio Moon, yeah. did uh, the Umbrella Academy Dallas, which is a sequel. Yes. And uh, it was, I mean, for me, I had to eat a lot of crow on that. I remember working in a comic shop at the time, uh, my first time paid in a comic shop, 2007 or eight. Okay. And I'm sitting there talking all kinds of shit on the people who were obviously My Chemical Romance fans coming in <laughs> just to buy this comic. And I was just like, fuck this asshole. He's just coming in trying to capitalize off being famous. He doesn't really give a shit about comics. And then you learned that he interned at DC Comics when he was in college. Well, not even that. Uh, the owner... Dark Horse gave a 1,000 copies out to comic shops. There's one in a 1,000. Okay. And... They gave, I think it shopped like 10 copies. Okay. And the owner gave me a copy. He was like, here, just have it, even though, you know, and even though I know you probably won't like it. I read it, and then I was like, oh, fuck. Oh, fu I don't know what I'm talking about. It's okay not to like My Chemical Romance, by the way. I, I'm yeah, saying this out but, loud. But, but I was completely so off the mark. Yeah. And, I mean, this guy loves, Gerard Way is a comic book Nerd. And I mean, he is our of our tribe. Yeah, that's what. And that's what I'm saying. He 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 got the keys to the kingdom early while he was in school of being an intern on 666 West uh, West uh, West Fifth Avenue in uh, in New York at the DC offices as as an intern. I mean, this guy loves and breathes comics. That's books. when I found that out, and I yeah. was like, well, this makes sense now, and he knows what the fuck he's doing. That's right. And, uh, yeah, while I'm not He a paid fan, attention on his internship. Go figure. Yeah, while I'm not a fan of his music, it was like... I felt like every bit that I did not like his music, I loved his comics. Right, right. So... 
look, I am I am just over the moon. <laughs> uh, but to see another Umbrella Academy, awesome. Now, look, I'm gonna t- we, we're running out of time here, so I'm gonna I'm gonna set up the list here first. Are we gonna take out like pronouns and just use straight? Like- I'm ju- well, ju- you'll see you'll see what I'm doing. Okay, here. we're not so- altering our language for this. No, no, no. Okay, no, no, or no. sentence structure. No, no, we're going to use the proper English. Here, oh, but I'm right. just going to I'm going to speed up. So I'm going to do an info dump, and then we can talk about it. Okay, I was just trying to save time. If we need to change our sentences and how words work, you know, I think all the time I I have planned to save has now been sucked up by this piece of the God conversation. So fuck you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so here we go. Um, so Karen Berger, we mentioned that Karen Berger, the mastermind behind Vertigo Comics. From before its inception, when she was just a group editor at DC Comics, she had these books called Animal Man and Doom Patrol. And they were DC's new format. And then she had Sandman. And that wasn't even a Vertigo book in the beginning. Another new format book. Another new format book. But eventually it led to the creation of an imprint called Vertigo, where not only did we get more Sandman, not only did we get more Doom Patrol, not only did we get more... What was the fucking thing? I'm getting old here, and my mouth is drying up. I don't up. know what the fuck you're trying to say. Uh, uh, Sandman. Kid Eternity? Well, look, they put out some awesome comics that were not mired in the continuity of decades of DC comics. Oh, Constantine. Yeah, they did Constantine with, well, Hellblazer. Yeah. You know, they did, they did Kid Eternity. They did so many great creative experimental comics at times. We wouldn't have Constantine without the way they handled Constantine in that 300-issue series. Did Constantine debut on Al- in Alan Moore's run of uh, Saga of the Swamp thing in the early 80s? Absolutely. But did they take John Constantine and spin him off into his own Vertigo title? Where they defined him. For... Over a hundred issues. I can't remember. No, 300. 300. Literally 300 300 issues. And a couple of original graphic novels. So, look, I mean, and this was all under Karen Berger's watch. And eventually sales started to slow down on Vertigo as things happen. You know, inertia starts to take hold. And DC made a business decision and said that Karen Berger wasn't the one to lead Vertigo anymore because they weren't seeing either the award-winning titles or the chart-topping uh, hits, you know, when it comes to raking in the, the Skrilla. Yeah, I know, like, uh, Fables was one of her things. For everything that would end, because a lot of those books had finite lives, yep. there would be another book to come in and take its place that was another masterpiece. Absolutely. I mean, Fables, come on. Fables, I mean, DMZ, uh, I was a huge fan, Preacher, yeah. which has a fucking TV show on the air right now. I mean, and it's a pretty fucking good TV show right now. Look, Karen Berger is a genius editor because she was somebody who would give very few notes and learn to get out of the way of, of the right creators and learn to hover over the other creators that she needed to hover over. She did not she did not spend time, you know, over overdriving talent like they did at the superhero desks over at, at DC and Marvel. You know, and honestly, Vertigo was the only place you could really go in the 90s besides true indie vanity press comics to get wonderfully experimental and wonderfully creative works on a consistent basis. Yeah, Shade the Changing Man, that was another one that like flew under the radar, but you go into it and it's like 60 issues. Half of what Peter Milligan did over at at DC Vertigo was under the radar. I mean, but, but look, you know, so... 
eventually all things end in Karen Berger's time at DC. And then she handed over the keys to Shelly Bond, who wasn't given enough time, I think, to really try and, and make Vertigo they work. They her, in They my really opinion. did. And, and she left. So, look. Vertigo is something. We don't know what it is now. No, DC I, was stupid. They, she didn't leave. They fucking were idiots and fired her. Well, because they're... I, I, they're like, I oh, was, you're a quality editor? Bye. Bye. Well, I don't know if that... I, I mean, I honestly don't know if that was the case. I just know she was there one day, and then they said that she was gone. So, the the you know, that would be a story for, I think, Ms. Bond to tell. What I am going to say, though, is, is that Shelly landed uh, over at IDW with the Black Crown stuff, and boy, howdy, as Karen Berger landed over somewhere, and that place is Dark Horse Comics, and they have given her her own imprint to start up, and holy shit, I'm going to run down the books and the creators on these books. It's called Burger Books. That's her imprint, so that tells you what kind of pedigree like her name carries. Okay, this is Karen Berger ushering in talent from uh, Anna Senti and David Aha. Okay, I... Said a little bit about how much, how much love I have for Anne Nascenti, and if you've ever listened to a previous graphic content podcast, you know that David Aha is my jam as far as an artist goes. I'm really interested. They've already said that I think this it's book four is issues. Ca- four issues. It's called The Seeds. I guess it's an alien invasion from from another planet through plant life. Not, and, uh, I just had fl- M Night Shyamalan flashbacks. Yeah, I, tr- I, tr- I trust that. this creator creative team so much better. They are going to be reissuing David or David Dave Gibbons's The Originals, which was another awesome Vertigo title over at uh, Creator Own Vertigo title. And then, over, yeah, you know, they are going to be bringing back. They got Matt Johnson, the the mastermind behind a great little book at Vertigo called Incognito, and so they're going to be reissuing Incognito. So get this, they're putting these books which were underserved in the in the in the uh, what they call it. Um, the backlist market, you know, in, in bookstores, they're going to be reissuing these trades and reissuing singles for things that and, were out of print. And then they got Matt Johnson to write a prequel to Incognito with its original artist Warren Police, who has worked with Morrison and has worked with Ennis and who has worked with just about fucking everybody. He's one of the few guys in American comics. He, I believe it was. No, I almost screwed that up. No, he's great. He's just uh, great. Yeah. I mean, he, he's just done great comics. Anthony Bourdain. He's is, the homeboy. He's the homeboy. I'm sorry. I Look, you're not going to hear me pump travel show, pimp travel shows too much, but God damn it, Parts Unknown is fucking great on CNN. And he's got a co-writer that they worked with. What was it, the book called? It was Get... Um, Get Hero. Get Hero. It was two original graphic novels. Right. And uh, he has a fucking eye for, for artists because the first one was with this guy Langdon Foss, who was incredible. Yep. And the second one was by Ale Garza, who's also fucking incredible. And then uh, rumor has it he's working... Him and his co-writer, Joel Rose, yep. uh, are working with another fucking incredible artist in Paul Pope. Yeah, I mean... I mean, look, Paul Pope, this guy, Batman 100. Heavy uh, Liquid? Heavy Liquid. Um, 100%. God, I, Battling I, Boy? Yeah, I mean, look, this guy, indie comics, creative genius. Um, I understand him to potentially be a controversial figure because of some, some stuff that's out there. But I don't know anything about because I haven't researched any of it. I'm a fan of his material. I don't know him as the person. I just it know might affect me in in how I in how I perceive this book. If those 
if if it's proven true what's what's some of what is being said, but because we cannot substantiate it, we're not reporting on it. Yeah, I. If things come out, then yeah. But right now, as but of right now, now I'm, I'm a fan of him as a creator. I've loved his work for... I, I picked Batman 100 up off the shelves. Yeah. And I said, holy shit, who is this ugly-ass Batman? And it was the most amazing thing you've ever read, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. It was, I mean, it's right up there. Anyway. Yeah, it was Yeah, it was right up there in some of the best elsewhere, Elseworlds Batman stories ever told. Exactly. It has its own hardcover. It got re- re- reprinted in trade. Yep. Uh, yeah, I mean... Check out all of those titles and more. Batman 100, Battling Boy, Heavy Liquid. You know, and and it makes sense because... Heavy liquid and 100% vertigo under Karen Burke. There you Well, how about that? And then uh, there's going to be another um, book called Mata Hari, which is about the famous uh, European spy from the early uh, 20th century, the, in the 1900s, 1910, I believe. Uh, she was a dancer who was a spy who'd sell secrets to just about anybody she'd get in the you know, uh, into the uh, private co- uh, confidences of generals and statesmen alike. Oh, okay. A- and uh, she, she was very friendly? Infamously friendly. Okay. And uh, that's going to be written by uh, um, a creative by the name of Emma Beebe. They showed some preview art, but I have no clue who did it. It looks fucking awesome. Though. If you know who did it, by all means, write us at Graphic Podcast on Twitter to let us know because it looked dope yeah it was awesome so look karen berger is back and she is going to be putting out fresh original comics for dark horse which is already a place for a lot of fresh and original comics besides their licensed properties um we've got we've got great new stuff coming from uh shelly bond we've got idw taking some some counterintuitive chances we've got marvel Maybe they're not so much taking chances, but they're giving their creators, you know, some leeway, especially Mark Buckingham and redrawing a series he drew like twenty something years ago. I feel like they're kinda on the 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 lowdown right now, trying to refocus of what they're doing. Yes. And they're not just doing that in their superhero universe, they're doing that as a business. And and also this is something that I read on on one news site that uh, in the space of a couple of months, three Two of the three people that work in Marvel's PR and marketing PR department, public relations department, left. They're they're now working for other places <laughs> now. So ask all, me if I'm surprised. <laughs> all, well, seriously, I mean, maybe all of their PR blunders could be one guy doing the work of three people right now. So I'm willing to give Marvel a shot. I mean, hell, they're going to be doing a Thrawn book, so they got my money for that. You know, they've got some interesting things happening. And look, DC. Fucking ADC. They've turned to 180 from New 52. I'm telling you, I have never loved DC more than when I was originally reading like New Teen Titans, JLA, uh, you know, the, the, the DC best. stuff, JSA, Hawkman. This I is the best about. it's been since like the early 2000s. Honestly, so good on you, DC. Um, I don't know if that's because they made Bob Harris shut up and Dan DiDio and Jim Lear driving the boat right now, but. Whatever it is, keep doing it because you need to keep experimenting. You need to keep creating. And Adam, we really need to stop because my voice is about to completely peter out at this point. Yeah, so I, 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 thank you very much for sticking with us. Honest this long. to God, this this San Diego look. I, I'm never going to say that I'm never going to go to San Diego Comic Con again, but you got to understand, this is a place that that in the building it houses 150,000 people. 
outside, there's like up to a quarter million people that are jamming all the different offsites. So it really is nerd con. It is nerd Sundance. It's nerd city. It's nerd city. And I, the, I lived a place just, smaller than San Diego's comic convention. Adam and I, you know, we, we know we promised a full breakdown of SDCC, but we didn't realize how many comics there was going to be to talk about. So we're absolutely going to be doing that. Uh, looking at other news from SDCC, but we're going to need to circle back into our maybe our next episode and push back our DC Hanna-Barbera review. We're going to talk about it. Um, nothing, we want to cover the Eisners. We want to cover the media. There's just not enough there's time There's so the day. much news in film and television, which comes out of, of Comic-Con now. Excuse me, my voice is cracking. Well, it turns out Ben mm-hmm. Affleck is leaving Batman. No. And I'm going to be replacing him. Oh, is that what's yeah. happening? Yeah, so if you see me kind of get buff and I start speaking really weird, it's me prepping for that role. I am the knight. I'm uh, Batman. I'm that, your voice. That, 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 you're my voice. I'm your voice. <laughs> <laughs> you're kind of weird. You're kind of weird to me. Anyway. Yeah, try to be Batman and say, bro, you can't do it. Hey, do me a favor, bro. While I find some water, tell the kids where they can find us on the internet. All right, so you stuck with us this long, and if you've stuck with us this long, that means you'll probably want to stick with us around the information superhighway, a.k.a. the internet. Yes. So in social media, you can find us on Instagram, which I tend to curate, but I pretend I don't. Oh it's at graphiccontent.podcast. Uh, you can email us at the original. No, the real. The real. Dot dot graphic graphic content at gmail.com. Yeah, and we know Jim runs that because he remembers the address and I don't. And then, <laughs> We both remember the Twitter, though. Yeah, at Graphic Podcast. And you can reach us on all these things. We have a Facebook page. Uh, Which th- is facebook.com slash graphic podcast. Yeah, so you can leave comments. We'll get- drop news about what's happening with the podcast. Uh, we'll post all the all the streams Whether, straight from uh, Podbean, which is our hosting site. Yeah, you can find us. Uh, uh, you Obviously, you, you've listened to us somewhere. We're on everywhere. Uh, but yeah, we... We're out there. We're easy to reach. Adam is on all the socials at Adam S. Messinger. And Jim is actually on Instagram with Jimmers with five M's. Not four, not three, but five. And then he's Jimmers on Twitter with three three M's. M's. Or just simply Jim Mason on Facebook. Yes. So So. we, we found each other. You can find us. And look, if you're a creator that that doesn't get the 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 popular news site attention for a work that you're doing, hit us up on Twitter or our email account. Show us some of your work. We'd love to have you on the show, whether you're local in Northern California or if you want to Skype in from anywhere across the world. We want to we want to help you promote your work. So at, at so the very please, least, we'll take a look at it. At the very least, and and look, let's be honest. There's probably many more people talented than us in this world, if that's, not most of the people out like there. That's like a fact. Yeah, I think so. I cannot draw. That, that's right under <laughs> Newton's law, is there's more people way more talented than us. And look, we would love to get questions on the show. If you do send questions to the show, Adam, uh, he has a comic called The Amazing Fist that he did. And he will, don't shake your head, dude. You put out a fucking comic book, okay? I think that's awesome. 
You're going to give them a free digital code for that, yes, right? Yes, I will. Uh, oh. You can get that. Uh, Ramon Villalobos, who works for Marvel, him and I were once young and dumb and 19. Yeah. And we did uh, a book called uh, Frank and Eleanor Inn. We did too many comics. Uh, I have digital codes for those. Um, I also got, I did a series called Adventures of Spoonman uh, that has a bunch of guest pinups. Nice. And, and uh, I penciled that and wrote it, and I have digital codes for that. I would love to share my digital comics with you. We'll read your critique on the air. Leave us on, on, on iTunes. Leave us feedback. Yeah. If you do that and then you like message us, give me your email address. I'll send you digital codes. Yeah, absolutely. And five stars would be very greatly welcome. So I might send you more than digital codes if you send me if you send us a five star review. Yeah, well, oh my. I, um, I don't want to necessarily bribe people, but uh there's some incentive there for you people. Hey look, we've already yammered on way too long. Way too long. Way too long. My wife's probably really upset that we've kept the power on the graphic content studio for as long as we have. Thank God I don't have a wife. Yes. Well, for you anyway. For <laughs> yeah. me, I'm eternally grateful because I cannot live as a human being without somebody Obviously. to take care of me. So Obviously, you have a great thing there. I do. Anne-Marie is the light of my life, and because I made her wait now an extra hour more than normal, I'm going to say goodnight. And how do we say goodnight, Adam? Go read a comic. And after you read that comic, listen to graphic content.